Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is, no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal, we do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. And I'm Robin, and this episode on Books That Burn, we are doing something a little bit different. We are going to do a two-parter for one book. So this is the first of two episodes where we are discussing Battle Royale by Koshun Takami. And this was originally written in Japanese. We are reading the English translation of the novel. Uh, I mentioned this because there's also a manga and a film, neither of which either of us has read or seen. I'm pretty sure. You haven't seen the movie, have you? No, okay. I'm not. Yep. So when we say a particular thing happened, if if we say a particular thing happened to it, a character and you're like, no, it didn't. It's a live action animated movie. No, it's a live action movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, It has a sequel too, apparently. Yeah. No, huh. there's a... There's a 3,000-page manga and then at least two movies. Um, nice. Yeah, no, this this spawned a lot of later things. Um, but we are specifically talking about the book. And in this first part, we are focusing on two particular characters. And then in our second one, we'll focus on two different characters and, you know, associated things for each of them. But now... If you've never heard of Battle Royale and have no idea what we're talking about, here's the description from the publisher. Kashuin Takami's notorious high-octane thriller is based on an irresistible premise. A class of 42 junior high school students are taken to a deserted island where, as part of a ruthless authoritarian program, they are electronically collared, provided with weapons of varying potency, and sent out onto the island. If they are in the wrong part of the island at the wrong time, their collars will explode. If they band together to save themselves, a collar will explode at random. If they try to escape from the island, they will be blown up. Their only chance for survival lies and killing their classmates. It's in the description. I don't remember that middle one about a collar exploding at random. I'm one. Hmm. I. I don't think it don't happened. Know. Yeah. It. Yeah. I don't think it happened. They might have been threatened with it. I don't know. Uh, I wonder but anyway, if they're referring to the. If the time limit is up. Yeah, but I thought that was thing. everyone dies, not it like is. a random. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, there. Collars exploding is absolutely a thing um, that does happen to at least one person. Um, four. I mean, four I think, is at least one, but yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. Um, Haku, can you move? Haku, we can't keep doing this. Haku says she's named for a Japanese character and therefore needs to butt into all <laughs> uh, books. Uh, yeah, because that Spirited Away Japanese. and this book are so... Similar. <laughs> Both of them involve middle schoolers, I guess. Haku, uh -huh. stop. Get down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing this with you right now. 
so for sorry that's all right yeah so for this half um of the discussion we're going to focus on shogo and shuya with a little bit of discussion of hiroki um we're going to this is a book about uh kids being forced to murder each other we are going to do our best to not spoil when or how or if anyone dies (laughs) we're going to talk about pretty much everything other than that um yeah we might reveal the fates of people who die in the first chapter or two but once it gets we're past gonna that we're, not, def- we're, we're gonna okay. try not to do that at all we're, either. we're gonna try to avoid all deaths that happen after they blow the whistle and say ready go you start right, right. there are some murders that happen prior to that and those are up on the table for discussion yeah especially as part of the overall intimidation thing yeah yeah so um we have previously discussed the hunger games and the hunger games gets compared to a lot to this novel which is an earlier um thing uh we're not going to i don't think constantly make comparisons to the hunger games i just wanted to say hey we're super duper aware we also liked those books we've also Mm -hmm. talked about them we're now talking about this one if you want to know what we think about the hunger games please do go back to our previous episodes from a couple of years ago all right. With all that uh, housekeeping out of the way, our first topic is talking about Shogo Kawada and self-isolation. So to me, this is an, a little bit of an interesting topic to pick for Shogo. You picked it. I do agree mm-hmm. with you. I, Given that he does end opinions. up teaming... <laughs> Right. Yeah, absolutely. The way that he ends up teaming up with people to me makes this one like initially sound a bit funny as the topic. But (laughs) I agree. Like, I I don't think you're wrong for sure. Um, And also he holds himself apart for a while before he tries to do anything cooperative. Um, But yeah, so you have thoughts. What are those thoughts? So, okay, so slight spoiler alert, but also like, eh, it's kind of foreshadowed very heavily, even in chapter, I think, one or two. Yeah. Um, Shogo was in the previous, a previous year's competition, Murder Spree, and won, survived, because uh, that's the only way you can, you can survive is to win. And as part of the you're the only one of your entire class who's left alive thing, the winner is always transferred to a new school, told not to tell anybody, you know, don't tell them that you lived, don't tell them you were part of the game, don't, you know, don't give them any hints. (laughs) It could be them next time. You're not allowed to talk about it, your experience or... Um, anything you learn, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So Shogo is kind of an intimidating character, especially in the beginning of the book. Um, just very standoffish. Um, the impression that I got from the narration in the books is that other characters initially think of Shogo much the way that they do some of the out-and-out bullies in the class. Mm-hmm. Not because Shogo is a bully, but because there's the same kind of wariness and thought that he could do something to harm somebody else that they kind of have toward their couple of squads of three different groups, two or three groups of of active bullies in the classroom. Yeah. Um, But crucial, incredible difference is that all of those other squads are squads. They are four to six people who all are like-mindedly mean in some facet or another to some degree or another shogo is a loner he's an intentional loner he doesn't talk to anyone he is you know i think there was something this might be me mentally making it up or paraphrasing or something i'm pretty sure there was something with they when 
Shogo started talking to other characters after the the game had started, um, where the characters are like, "That's more words than I've ever heard out of this guy." In one mm-hmm. conversation, he does not talk. He does not connect. He doesn't really try to, you know, even get to know anybody else, even superficially, just completely shut off. Yeah. And then we find out later that it's because, or, well, maybe not directly because, but, you know, from from a reader perspective, the only real context we have for that is that he watched and helped kill watched die and helped kill his classmates he's the only one left and from a trauma standpoint it from a reader trauma standpoint you can draw a pretty clear line from i was forced to care people that i knew really well and probably cared about to well, now I can't get to know anyone ever again and I'm not allowed to make friends and I can't care about these people because what if it happens again? And also, there's definitely a degree of... I mean, he... he This happened last year. It took him months to recover. Right. And then he's basically had to repeat a grade because of it. And Yeah, not, not um, basically. He is explicitly held back for a, a year. Yeah, so he, like... Which which is, like, the only common knowledge thing about this guy. (laughs) Right. Even under non-traumatic circumstances, there can be a lot of social stigma with having Mm -hmm. to repeat a grade for whatever reason, or, like, even for reasons unknown, whatever. Like, that it's mysterious doesn't make it any less um, weird or ridiculed or whatever reaction the kids have to this. Also, um, just because, like... The description of junior high school students might not automatically be meaningful depending on um, like how different schools are described. That's kids somewhere between ages 13 and 15, like 13 being like the youngest possible, 15 being like oldest possible for that kind of a range. For middle school? Junior high school. Junior high school specifically. I was mentally, I was. Okay. Yeah, no, like upper middle school, not quite in high school, like also I yeah, just depending on how exactly that designation transfers across countries, you're talking about somewhere in the range of kids 13 to 15. Mm-hmm. Um maybe Shogo is 16 because he had to repeat. Maybe. Nobody's older than 16. Like these are not like these are like mid-range teenagers. They're yeah um i just you know saying that context i think is important shogo is at most 16 like at most 16 edging towards 17 at the i'd say i mean my guess would be probably 15 Uh, the impression i got Mm -hmm. was like these are all like 14 year olds and maybe he's 15 but just yeah because we we know that they've had at least one year where they were in the lottery running before Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like they're not at, twelve, they're not thirteen. Yeah, like there's a two year range where your mm-hmm. class could to get picked, and then if you make it out of that range, then you're fine. Um, <laughs> well, com- <just> kidding. <laughs> well, you're not going to get picked for this. Like, it's not like things are probably going to go well for you in the rest of this authoritarian regime. Right. Um, oh, right. Briefly, while we're talking about Shogo's previous circumstances, because I, I'm. Oh, I do want to. I also mention his current ones at the end here. But oh, go ahead. okay. Um, well, uh, the thing with him ending up back in this program is part of this like really bizarre and cool from a world building perspective, but not cool for the characters. Um, this dedication from the regime to so-called fairness. They're like, no, it's like super duper fair that just because you've gone through this program where you had to murder all your classmates and the only one who survived. I mean, it wouldn't be fair to not randomly pick the class that you ended up in again. That could happen to anyone in your situation. And we're not going to make any exceptions. Um, Yeah, like there's 
there's that and like there's the you know not making exceptions for people whose parents are in the upper levels of the government like there's a definite like the only way for this murder program to be as fair as possible is for anyone in between ages 13 and 16 to be able to have to have to murder their classmates it's the only way to do it (laughs) um and from a world building perspective um it's great there's just a lot of great little touches that i'll yeah like comment on as i think but for this particular one him being um through this again like if he had been the main character the main perspective character it would have felt like pretty contrived and Mm. so i appreciate that they didn't do that i don't think we get his perspective ever i yeah no I, i don't think we do no, we we don't we don't have a chapter that directly follows him. We just have several that follow people around him. Like speaking yeah, of I, people around him, yes, kind of. I'm not gonna go into any detail with this at all, basically, and no identifying features or sure. Uh, at a certain point in the match, I don't know what to call it. <laughs> The the mass execution that they're all partaking in. I mean, the program. It's called the program. The program, okay. Um, <clears throat> he teams up with a couple of other people. And they are kind of the lens that we get really anything about him from. It's their opinions of him. It's their conversations with him where he talks about himself. It's... You know, we we don't have we have his own direct, you know, <laughs> text conversation opinions about what he's saying, but there's no there's no secret inner thoughts. There's no, you know, why he does something or whether or not he's joking or whether or not he's lying to them. You you don't get uh-huh. any of that. And <clears throat> I want to point out that from a reader perspective. It does a good job of isolating us from this character who also mm-hmm. is isolating from everyone else around him. Even after he's joined up with a couple of other people, there's still this like barrier there. We get a little bit of almost everybody else in the entire game. We get a little tiny snippet of of their thought processes and why they care about things and how they're thinking about it and why they're doing what they do. Even if it's only a paragraph, it's there for every single participant except Shogo. I, for With the a couple out, of very minor exceptions. I was going to say, for the pedants out there, there is an exception. And there's we're not three talk- exceptions. Yeah, there's a but couple. But that's of- because they're basically dead as or before the game starts. It's not because we didn't have time with them it's because it was already like what by the time we knew anything they were already gone i was actually gonna say that there is one brief section where we have shogo's perspective so for anyone who's oh, like wait well, no i remember this thing we're we're not gonna talk about it more because no of we're not gonna reasons. we're not we don't care but that is not relevant to this point <laughs> yeah um and i'm not even gonna say why <laughs> yep yep for spoiler absolutely. reasons um no so so we i i think it does a very neat job of giving us this character who is by all evidence you know because he can clearly make friends and make connections and you know have people (laughs) that care depend on him and he cares about when he wants to but for you know the vast majority of our our setup and our um even a little bit of our like main action here he intentionally doesn't bother ignoring people trying to talk to him not meeting people's eyes, you know. Yeah. Just it's very deliberate and and I think the text does a good job of conveying that and also like I said kind of keeping us as an audience really isolated from this character so that we see other people being suspicious of him but we don't ever get his rebuttal. <laughs> we see them going, "Oh, it's not suspicious, it's fine." But we don't really see him noticing their acceptance or anything like you know, it's it's very deliberate and I think very well done. Oh, yeah. And definitely, like, in terms of how, like, it's emphasized and set up in the narration, it it definitely makes it much easier to be as suspicious of him as 
kind of like whatever level of suspicion you tend toward with regards to his actions, the book doesn't do much to dissuade you. Yeah. Um, like it, you know, th- there's little things that point toward whatever you might be thinking about him. There's just enough to support it. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you're like super suspicious from the start, nothing for really <laughs> nothing is going to dissuade you. Tells you that you shouldn't be. Um, yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree. <laughs> Ready to talk about uh, Shuya? On to Shuya and Hiroki with loss of control. So, obviously, this is a game where almost all of the characters deal with loss of control in at least the relatively minor way of being dumped on an island and told to kill each other. (laughs) So, with that as a baseline, Shuya and Hiroki um, react to this in kind of similar ways in a manner that Mm -hmm. you wanted to talk about a little bit more. Yes. So I want to talk about a thing that I, this might be weird to say, I don't know that this is my exact trauma response, but I understand it. Both of these characters, when they are faced with kill your friends or die, their response is to basically fixate on one specific thing that they can do that they have control over. Killing other people, they may not have control over that. They don't know what weapons they have. They can't control the other person's movements. They don't necessarily want to hurt other people. They can't control if they will be injured or, or killed. They can't control where they're going or who can hear them or why they're, you know, what the terrain. They have no can't control, can't get clothing, can't get food, can't, you know, just go and get water without searching for it. Like, there's so little that they have active physical control over. They can't call home. The cell phones don't work. Computers don't work. Like, you know, there's so much taken away from them. And they both just kind of fixate on two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's one little, like, decision that they can make that is not setting out to harm other people, but is game adjacent, <laughs> I would argue. Yeah. Um, it's not not directly helping them to win the game, but you know, it, it is related to the game. Both of them just kind of obsess over finding and then helping a particular other character. Um, in the case of Hiroki, it is their current crush. In the case of Shuya, it is their best friend's crush. Uh-huh. Uh I mean, you know. Um, so it's, you know, it's, I will, I will protect them for me or I will protect them for my friend. And they do, neither of them does anything else this whole time (laughs) at all. Shuya is, it it does like three actions that are not exactly this when he's told to by somebody else who makes a very good argument after he argues for five minutes. (laughs) Like Hiroki does not stop walking. The whole time, they just they can't even think beyond this one goal. Um, we even see Shuya. I'm not going to go into details for spoiler mm-hmm. reasons, but we even see Shuya potentially pass up water and food and shelter because what if she can't walk that far? Oh, yeah. you mean carrying her was an option? I didn't think of that. I was going to starve. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah. Nothing else matters. I might die. It doesn't matter. I have one person that I can pretend to even try to care about protecting. And that's it. That's my whole mission statement. There's no room in my head for anything else. Yeah. And to the extent that he is able to think about anything else, it is because the two of them are working together to try and stay alive. And so right. working with her helps her stay alive, which is his whole goal. Right. Um, <laughs> and again, yeah. even then, like a lot of the book, he has to be convinced that doing those things is important or she has to ask for it. Yeah. 
it's it's very it, it, it's something that like it's it's not something that I see get worked into fiction very often, if that makes sense. Uh, that's why I thought it was important to talk about it because, you know, irregardless of real world depictions or accuracy or whatever, there are a lot of kind of trauma tropes that and character types that make it into books. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the person who sits there and panics and dies or, you know, gets trapped or whatever the, the threat may be. There's the person who becomes the hero and saves the day. There's the person who just runs away. <laughs> Usually an old mentor and comes back only when you persuade them you need them. You know, there's the person who has the fawn response and does their best to, like, ingratiate themselves with the person who's hurting everybody else. But you don't ever see people who are anything more than just those kind of archetypes. And this, like, character who, you know, if you tweak them a little bit, could kind of be that heroic fight action character. But they don't really have (laughs) options. And they're not that character. So they just grab onto the only thing that they can handle and do only that forever. Like, that's so, that's such a good thing in the book. And it works so well for the plot. And it's just, it's just different. It's different from the rest. In terms of like broader patterns across books we read, I would argue that we have seen this kind of character before. We just usually don't see. Well, either they're not the main character or we don't encounter it with the framing of, well, this is the only thing I can control. Right. Like me, the loss was a backstory and we meet them how they are now and how they are now is as a single-mindedly obsessed person who only worries about whatever they worry about. But but again, they're usually not the main character. They're usually not a point of view character. They're sometimes even an obstacle to getting anything done. I was going to say, or they're the villain. Like, this is right. often, this is right. usually like a villain origin story <laughs> of my girlfriend died and now I will bomb the world. Like, my you girlfriend know. died, so I will resurrect every corpse I can get my hands on in case it's her. Like, yeah. whoa, hold on. And so, like, one of the things I think, particularly for Shuya, because you talked about how the person that he's protecting is his best friend's crush. Um, would you consider it a spoiler to say what happens with his friend? Yes. Um, okay. All right, then. <laughs> Very much so. so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But anyway, it, yeah. So he, he has this feeling that he'd protect this person. I think the most salient point is that he doesn't know her very well. Yeah. Um, and that's also true for the person that Hiroki is trying to um, protect. Yeah. Is that. It's also someone he doesn't know very well that he hasn't talked to much. And yeah, like, there's like a- to the point where the <laughs> both girls are kind of just like, "Why are you here?" A little bit, um, yeah, in, d- in very different ways. But you know, there's there's a very good moment with Shuya where, uh, what is her name? I'm blanking. I know you have the pages open. Or did. He teams up. Don't say it. Noriko. Noriko. Okay. Noriko. Um, Noriko has this moment where she's like, I think. Why are think you here? Noriko. What is the point? Why are you helping me? Like, shouldn't you be trying to kill me? Oh, my. Sorry. Not Noriko. Yeah, no, it's Noriko. Okay. Yeah, it's Noriko. Um, she's, she's basically like, Why are you here? You should be trying to kill me. What is. Like, what is the point of this if, you know, we make it and then someone else hurts us anyway? And he's just kind of like, uh, I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> but we're gonna keep doing it. <laughs> Al- almost explicitly says exactly that. Um, and it's it's very, like, you know, you can, there's there's just no no thought beyond this once, he, once he's had a hold of it. Um, and Hiroki literally walks for constantly around this island for what thirty six hours. Yeah, he crisscrosses the island. Crisscrosses the island, does not stop until something forces him to stop. 
like just over over a day no sleep no food other than what they were you know given to start out or whatever just does he really not sleep does not sleep explicitly has not stopped yeah just continues to walk and we we get a certain point where he's walking and he's like the only thing i can do is continue to walk because that's all i can handle and i don't have energy for anything else like we can't run can't stop you know i didn't succeed yet i did not find her i'm just gonna keep going yeah (laughs) like no thoughts head empty i'm sorry one (laughs) thought head almost empty keep walking yeah and also, like, in terms of the broader themes of the loss of control in the mm-hmm. book, and in a very fundamental way, like, because these kids, they get kidnapped from where they were mm-hmm. um, and then put into this place that basically control is very viscerally and systematically wrenched away from them through a variety of mechanisms that I'm not going to spoil as much as possible. Um, and then they are told that the way to get control back is to kill all of their classmates and be the last one standing. Yeah. Like, just all, like, very specifically, all the other avenues are taken away. And, like, even the thing with, like, them having the exploding collars is, like, a thing that stops them from... Really, there's a lot of things done at the very start that make it impossible for them, as much as possible for them to think of this as not real or just a game or not actually having the stakes that it does. Right. Um, There's some very specific demonstrations at the start that drive that home. And so as part of this thing where all of them have lost control... um. I do like having these two characters where they have these kind of different ways of deciding that the way they want to deal with that is by controlling one thing. And for some other characters, the one thing they control is how many of their classmates they murder. And that's the route that they go. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. So like in part two, there is a character that we're going to talk about where that's that's her response. Um, we might yeah. not talk about that with that framing, but no. like that that is one of the people we're going to talk about. She's like, well, time to do some murder. Um, and uh, <laughs> I've gone this yeah, far. So everyone's dealing with this loss of control, but for Shuya and Hiroki, like communication and protection become the ways that they try and, to handle that. And protection without consent, to be clear. Like, yeah. neither of these people said, please he- he- join up with me. Please help me. Or let's help each other. Like, that's not even a thing. Um, Shuya and Noriko have that conversation like a chapter after he pulls her out of the fire and starts bandaging her and whatever. Like, yeah. they don't have a plan it may not be a whole chapter, but, like, he just kind of does stuff and she goes along with it because she's injured. Yeah. But there's no, there's no can I help you. There's no, I can't think of what else to do. There, You know, there's no real, like, explanation or question or request. It just kind of happens at first. And then when somebody kind of tests him on it, then they have the conversation. But... You know, that should have been a, this is a murder game. Do you want to team up with me, the person who has power in the situation right now? Yes, no. Like, that should have been much more, ex- in real life, if you were in this, if you were in the situation, that should have been a much more explicit conversation than it was at first. Um, yeah. And I, that's not a, a problem with the writing at all, to be clear. I think it's very good writing, in fact. Um, but it, it really defines how much this is his response and Hiroki's response to the situation and not like a plan or a strategy or anything. Right. And like, he does think about how she does eventually. (laughs) Yeah. But like, he does end up having to deal with the fact that she doesn't necessarily have any reason to, 
like they've talked about guitars like once before like <laughs> yeah. they don't have this very deep history um prior to all of this certainly not at levels of like I know everyone's trying to murder each other, but I'm super duper definitely not trying to murder you. Like, they don't already have that level of trust. Um, and, yeah, they mm -hmm. have to deal with that. Also, just as you were describing that, it kind of made me realize that, like, they're dealing with this loss of control. Shuya and Hiroki, they're both dealing with it in a way that... Um, kind of uh treads on or takes away some control from those other people um, well i i would argue no details that hiroki's target takes it back immediately oh absolutely <laughs> but it's yeah. in a very like uh spectacular fashion but no details but right. uh yes like totally agreed they are intentionally trying to wrestle control away from somebody else who's in the same situation who should have that autonomy. Yeah, and like, not I mean, not in a nefarious way, but also no. in a situation where the other person literally doesn't have a reason to trust that it's not nefarious. Right. Like, right. There, there hits a point where for the other person, their reaction can't re necessarily rely on what's being presented to them and like right. those other characters deal with that in different ways um and i like that it's not just the same storyline twice yeah. even though some of the things have overlap enough that we're talking yeah. about them in there, the same there's section. enough motivational overlap but it's it, yeah it is handled very differently and very uniquely yeah they, they play out so differently that until Nicole to be clear, suggested loss of control. I wasn't thinking of them as a pair <laughs> within the story in any kind of a way. I was um, for sure, right? But just you know, yeah. I, I think that speaks to how uh, much they're handled differently within yeah. the actual story. To be to be clear, when I said unique, I mean not that this book is the most unique approach, but that the two characters are unique in and of themselves, and they don't like Robin said they're not, you know, overlapping enough that it's just like oh, this is happening again. There's there's none of that. Um, uh, I I <laughs> I steer clear of calling anything in media of any kind <laughs> unique. unique. <laughs> There's yeah. enough human history and storytelling history that that's very unlikely to be true. Uh, yeah. But I, I think this is done very well, and I think that the two characters have these very individual approaches. Not not even individual approaches, just individual stories being told with them. This month, we'd like to welcome our new supporter on Patreon, Mockingbird Nation, as well as our awesome patron, Case Aiken, who receives a monthly shout-out. Thank you so much for supporting the show, and if you would like to join Mockingbird Nation and Case in keeping the show going, you can check us out on patreon.com slash books that burn. Did you know Rob Thomas has been writing since the mid-90s? The Matchbox 20 guy? No, the guy behind Veronica Mars. Oh, and iZombie. And Cupid, Party Down, the Cupid reboot. I haven't seen those. Me neither, but we should watch them and then talk about them on our podcast. Yes, we could call it the Rob Thomas. No, not that one. Robcast. Every other Tuesday with Alex and MJ. Find us at notthatrobcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. On to the wrap-up and ratings. In case you skipped straight to here, we are... This is the first of two episodes that we are doing on Battle Royale by Koshun Takami. And so this is the wrap-up for our discussions of self-isolation and loss of control. Uh, for the gratuity rating... I, for self-isolation, um, I would I, say somewhere between mild and moderate, because I understand what gonna, you're talking about. I'm going to go mild. I, <laughs> I was going to say, and I agree, but literally part of what we talk about is a team up. not knowing. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, yeah, mild. Yeah. I, I think sure. it's mild because I don't think it really registers as trauma- Unless you're me and relate and are looking for it all at the same time. Right. Like, like 
you know, it's very different to go, this is a trauma after it's, if it's something like, I literally looked at this character and went, ah, yes, that's exactly how I handle new situations. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, that, you know, that's not always, it's not, it's not always an obvious thing. So I, I, I definitely oh, sure. think that the depiction is mild and we're not really meant to feel the, the thing that's happening there necessarily, unless you're, again, looking for it. Yeah, when you're like, ah, yes, I read Battle Royale, and you know what got to me? The self-isolation. Like, you know, it's not it's not on the top list of, <laughs> of things. For this, this, is, but- this is a game about middle school child murder, and the self-isolation is the one that I noticed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, definitely mild. We like, we like to zag on what usually <laughs> on comes up for these books. <laughs> Our regular audience has probably noticed that. <laughs> like, why didn't they talk about the thing? We oh, try not to have about- the same conversation every time. We like to, you know, have it <laughs> theoretically be interesting to listen to. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> lots of control. Mild, moderate, severe, or backstory? Um, I would say either moderate or severe. Um, mm. Partly because in the broader context of everybody has a very large baseline level of loss of control. And like right. a lot of our discussion was on a particular reaction right. to that. But being kidnapped and put on a murder island is a huge loss of control. It just is. Yeah, I, I, I want to maybe argue that some other themes wash out loss of control in being more fixated on in a way. Then mm-hmm. I, I want to argue mm-hmm. that maybe some things that you could theoretically in a vacuum say make loss of control severe i don't want to argue i i want to argue that they're not actually the loss of control that's being focused on and that oh, you have I to mean, sidestep to make it about that yeah I that's guess my argument that a, <laughs> i think moderate that for a, that reason yeah moderate's fine yeah i guess the fact that it's a murder island is doing a lot of the heavy a little bit of heavy lifting <laughs> a bit just, just yeah, a little yeah. bit of lift there no, I, I, I think a lot of the reaction... Th- this is my argument, okay? Without spoilers. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the actual reactions to this loss of control manifest themselves in other trauma. Either focusing on other trauma or committing acts that are caused trauma to other people. Um, and I think that those kind of up the game in a way that make it no longer about the loss of control and instead it's about the horror of whatever that person has done so i i'm i'm gonna argue that my argument is the loss of control is moderate and there are a lot of severe things in this book but i don't think they're actually about the control i think it is about um the 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 other things that are happening that that's my argument yeah that makes sense um for the for is it integral interchangeable or irrelevant for the self-isolation what do you think i'm having a difficult time thinking of something that could replace it (laughs) Mm -hmm. but also on the other hand i think if this character had been outgoing and buddy buddy with people i think he could have still been say Maybe a liar, but that would have been different and not interchangeable. That would have been irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I think it's either integral or irrelevant, depending on how you view this character. I think it's irrelevant. Okay. Yeah. That's fine like, with me. Yeah. I-, I think it's since- integral maybe to the character, but he could have still performed his spot in the plot. Or yeah, someone else could have. Which is the thing that we're talking about here. Right, right. Like, yeah, he's standoffish in a team of three. Oh. To be fair, he's so also standoffish isolated. in a team of 40. Well, I mean, yeah. When they're still in class. Like, that is that is a thing. Sure. Yeah, but it didn't have time to matter because of what this book is. Well, that makes I, sense? That, that's where I'm saying, like, it could have been different, and as long as his role was still fulfilled, it would have still happened. That's why I'm saying I don't think it's interchangeable. I don't think you could have kept the character as... right is and just swapped something and made it work i think it either matters or does not i don't think it matters okay that yeah and that's fine that's fine with me um i agree then 
for the loss of control. I think that is integral to the plot. Same. Both specifically and generally. Yes. Then for the trauma being treated with care, I don't think the self-isolation was treated with care particularly. Like No. It's it like it's not treated like a thing that you have to be careful about. Well, and it's also like it's mild, as I said but in no the discussion, I, it's also weaponized against the user to isolate us from this character in a way that makes us more likely to agree with characters who think this one is this guy is either an active threat or a ticking time bomb threat, like, or or to make us you know kind of empathize with this character and say, uh, well, you know, if they like him, I'm he must be good. Like, you know, we we are far more subjected to opinions on him than we are to anything we would actually judge as people <sighs> i i agree i think yeah. it's definitely just no care also the more we've just said things i would like to revise my opinion Uh-oh. of whether the self-isolation is irrelevant i think it's integral because <laughs> as I, w- I was thinking about it more i was realizing okay. that the fact that he is held apart from other characters has far-reaching implications for so many bits of the book Okay. I'm also okay with that, as I stated. I think it's just yep, not no, interchangeable. <laughs> yeah, fair. not interchangeable. Nope, cool. I'm switching it to integral. Okay. Um, it is mild, integral, and no care. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then loss of control. Uh, uh, I, I think... I think I there's think some care. Is there? Yeah. Because... When? The the actions that these characters take are framed in a way that makes us root for them to succeed. I is that care? Yeah, in a murder okay. book. Yeah, I guess. Okay, I guess in a mur- yeah in in like say an action adventure movie, maybe in a romance. That depends in a murder book. Yeah, that's care. Okay, that's, okay. I guess that shelters you, you as the reader from just being in pain the whole time. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. So was that a yes or enough? That was that was enough. Okay, yeah. Um. All right. How clear is the moral directionality? I, I think it's <laughs> what moral pretty... directionality. I, I. <sighs> no, I'm kidding. I think it's actually it's either clear or muddy it's not tangled we have it's people that tangled. we think are correct and wrong um i i think it is muddy i think because... it's muddy because there's the whole you have to do something to survive aspect that makes characters kind of doubt each other and themselves in a way that doesn't let I, us be neutral i think it is muddy because there there's an aspect of like even for characters because like there, there's more than one set of characters who have an escape plan, right? And even for the characters who are just trying to leave, all of their plans to leave have like a cap on how many people they can get out. So mm. even the best case yeah. scenario of we would like to exit without <laughs> murdering people it is it's still, still can i just point out was never a can we exit without murdering people the people who are planning on an exit were counting on murder as being part of the plan the question right, is just, just who are they aiming at and also whether or not they're the one to murder anybody like that too prefer yeah. not to they're kind of like yeah so a bunch of murder is going to happen in the background and when enough murder happens in the background <laughs> we can execute this plan yeah yeah like the characters who even the ones who don't kill anybody don't really have clean hands in this yeah. book it's but you could you could argue that their goal is still a thing that you are being told to root for and yeah i i agree i think it's muddy. yeah i i think it's very muddy murky can we for murky for your books that are muddy but also just a little bit and i'm gonna uh, note that for our part two because we can like reassess after we've had our additional okay. discussion but i yeah, don't yeah, think yeah. that's gonna change no i, I um, don't think so either yeah then the point of view for the trauma and aftermath. I'm so, going to just write lots of people for both. Yeah, it's, I'm not it's, trying to list oh, 30 no. names out of 40 no. characters. It's so many people. Also for 
because we talked the most about Shoga, Shuya, and Hiroki. Mm-hmm. We we barely have Shogo's perspective. We have some of Shuya's and we have a fair amount of Shuya's, I would argue. Yeah, and then I don't think we We get Hiroki, but only at the end. Yeah, we only get like one thing for Hiroki um later in the book. So yeah. Um generally speaking, it's it's a mixed bag. There's a lot of characters. That's just that's just how this yeah. works. And we it's, also do yeah. get kind of a little bit of like flashbacky type things about those three characters from other people that touch on yeah. these traumas just a little bit or so, even just contemporaneous other people encountering them i think yeah, we have a little bit that of that too. yeah we do all right for the trope spotter and i promise i have a different one planned for um <laughs> our part two yeah we're like, ah, treating these as two, two different episodes we're not gonna we're as not gonna cheat possible. you all from <laughs> getting oh, the yeah, full experience yeah. Point of view, we're probably going to say pretty close to the same thing. But for Yeah, I'm just going to write lots of people. I'm just going to fill that in now. It's just a lot of people the whole time. It's just so many people. There's f- um, Okay, I want to just say for point of view, there are 40 children. 42. 42? Yeah, there's 42. Oh, no, the you're fi- right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yep. I, yeah. I, yep. Correct. And then like a handful of adults. We get an in-person perspective from 45 characters. <laughs> that's a lot of characters at least 30 i would say like there's some people who die before we get their perspective but we also get a little bit of flashback just just touch on most of them yeah okay sure i guess 30 is fine yeah but more like 35 even even if we're wrong and it's 20 it's still a lot so many so many like normally like a cast of six feels like a lot like like (laughs) this is this is like uh honor this is like not honor harrington this honor is, harrington um, is honor's perspective 85 percent of the time it's no, not but a I was lot gonna of say the the david weber book um path um Which in one? fury born this is in fury oh. born levels of we cut away to a minor character uh <laughs> and also um speaking of that's, that's the trope that i have for our trope spotter is a death in the limelight um there's a few characters that we have a lot of and then there's other people that we cut to for like a chapter and then they die. Uh, it's generally not good when a character like once once we're about 10 chapters in, if we suddenly cut to a character who hasn't yet been in the rotation, it's this is time. probably their death scene. Yeah, no, it's um super, super David Weber Weber esque. Because um, I know I complained about that a bit yeah, in our episode on. You know, uh, the, the really funny. I would Fury actually Born. compare this more to Wheel of Time, personally, uh, which yes. Robin does not read. I was not. I was not in that episode. I read it. Well, Heather like and I also it. did talk about it in that episode. Um, yeah, yeah. I've I just not as far as like the death. Well, no, actually, that is also very, <laughs> very Wheel of Time. Um, but I would I would personally argue that David Weber keeps it pretty streamlined unless there's something we need our characters to discover later mm-hmm. robert jordan weaves a web uh-huh. the, a- the lace of ages uh <laughs> with his mo- many dozen characters and then you get to book 14 and all of them are relevant uh it's one of no. those no i'm so <laughs> glad i didn't keep going it's fine all right I love but it. back to I love this it. book which is also part um, of i think why i really love this book <laughs> Back to this book with A Death of the Limelight. Yeah, it's generally not great um, when someone gets to be focused on. Yeah. Um, it's it's a child murders book. It it just, it's not, it's not good. Like, even the characters who get followed for a while, that doesn't guarantee that they're going to live. Right. But the ones who show up from their perspective for the first time halfway through the book, it bodes especially poorly for them. <laughs> Yeah. Um, then, all right. So I would say keeping it related to, at the very least, not related to the topics we've designated for part two. Right. Do you have a favorite non-traumatic thing about the book? I do. I have a favorite thing as a reader of this book. Okay. Uh, so I, reading this book, now, to be fair, I have the kind of 
internal mental imagination that allows me to render objects in full color, rotate them, change aspects, flip them upside down, you know, mentally pick that box up, put it over in a different corner and see how I would like it. That's how my brain works. So take this with a grain of salt. (laughs) But this is about my favorite thing and not what everyone will like. So it's valid. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's (laughs) You you get your own favorite thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the one part of the section where it's my decision. Yeah, read the book. Tell us your favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, just not on Twitter because we don't do that anymore. Come yeah, come to Tumblr. Will. Come to the dark side. Uh, yeah. No, just kidding. Um, so I, mean, I, I really, 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 really loved the way that the perspectives are given from everybody because you get landmarks and callbacks to things that we already have context for and, you know, I'm north of the gunshot that you saw on the other page. Like, we get the tree that several people, you know, find the lighthouse or that one rocky point or the side of the mountain that other people have passed by. We get, you know, this very, like, minimal but very informative sense of where everybody is in relation to each other, not only in physical space, but also in time. Um, and not all the time. <laughs> you can't track every single character from start to finish if they're on screen, you know where they are and you know where they are in relation to everyone else and also when this is happening. Um, if you had like a, you know, a, a, uh, I don't know, uh, an, 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 an RPG map and you saw all the enemies on it, you could pinpoint dots for most people. If they're in the, the scene, you know where they are. And if they're reoccurring, you can map when they are when they're not on screen. It's just, it's the perfect amount of detail. It gives you a sense of where everything is. It gives you the relationships. But it's not bogging you down with character I haven't seen in 10 pages is over here. Like, it doesn't force you to deal with extra information. It, I, I thought it was great. I can probably draw you a map of the island if not getting the borders correct like i relatively know where things are <laughs> i think it's wonderful oh yeah. included in that is the like the map zones i just to be clear this is not all like imagining in midair like there is a grid on the island and there are different zones and those zones have like battleship style letter number designations it's great yeah um so uh i have fantasia and that was not my favorite thing in the book because my brain doesn't do that um i i okay like the 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 kind of trope of the like bad boy who just keeps smoking is just like a thing (laughs) that i see a lot Anyway, I don't know. Just the you like the character that's trying to keep them all hidden is also smoking a thing with a distinctive smell I, and also smoke. Is that what yeah? You're- I I just I like I like the way whether or not Shogo was smoking and how they commented on it was just like or sorry how the narrative notices it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not saying anything to him about it. Like, um. I don't know. I've just, I have just started note partly because, um, like, I don't smoke. I'm not constantly around people who smoke. I, you know, it's, it's been, you know, over 20 years since the smoking was banned in public places and where I live. And so, like, <laughs> I'm not constantly encountering it. And so the main places that I'm encountering people smoking is in books and what I just like, kind of quietly keep track of like whether and how much the narrative talks about it um i don't know like i don't know if this is necessarily non-traumatic i just thought it was like <laughs> well non-traumatic funny to you. As, yeah as like a, a little thing that i was noticing throughout it and also like there's there's people walking around with machine guns i'm not fussed about whether one of these kids has a cigarette like honestly i'm not (laughs) they've got so much bigger things to worry about for this see you you phrase it that way i would argue that because those people are walking around machine guns and can see smoke (laughs) i would argue this is very relevant yeah yeah but you know it's (laughs) yeah it's fine 
Yeah. Um, anyway, just the, the the way it's part of Shogo's character. And also, like, this book was written in the 90s. Like, the, the, oh, the really? public attitude. Yeah, no, this is from the 90s. Nice. So, like, the public attitude towards smoking, like, um, e- not, not that, US. not, well, I was gonna say not that all countries are in the exact same place, but I would bet it's probably not exactly where it was 20 years ago because that's just how societies tend to work is that things like shift a bit um but anyway yeah uh i like um how it just keeps commenting on like because also they have to like find them like it's not like the murder game people issued all the kids a pack of cigarettes or whatever right like shogo's having to work for this um throughout to some degree or another anyway i just i i really like him as a character and i was keeping track of this little like detail about him as as the story continues Mm -hmm. um yeah yep that's the first thing i thought of yes yes please join us next episode when we talk about two completely different characters um and a few more world building aspects of this book um i'm pretty excited for part two so i hope you join us then bye all music used in this podcast was created by nicole as heartbeat art co and is used with permission our transcriptionist is heather you can find her on twitter at mama dragon 20 or on tiktok at mama dragons underscore den we're proud members of the certain point of view network of podcasts check out all the certain pov shows at www.certainpov.com please consider supporting us on patreon at patreon.com slash books that burn if you can't wait for the next episode and need even more book related content in your life check out our book review blog reviews that burn subscribe to the fortnightly newsletter or follow us on the story graph you can contact us by email at books that burn at yahoo.com and find all our links contact info and social media on our card books that burn.carrd.co don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and remember some books burn you